everyone, and welcome back to The Other Castle. The Other Castle. I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of The Other Castle. And my name is Tom. I'm the other host of The Other Castle. And that's all the hosts we have, folks. <laughs> Full host roundup. It is just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Oh, yes. And we are going to try indeed today. What are we trying to do, Tom? So we are trying to do book reports on video games. We explore the plot, lore, and more of your favorite video games. And some of your not favorite video games. Ho- <laughs> hopefully some video games you've just been curious about, but we're too scared to play. Yeah. Like Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> or Outlast. Or any other horrific game that's like unreasonably dark. Right. <laughs> that you were like, I'm not going to drop 40 bucks on this, but I am curious about what happened. On a scale of 1 to 10, how dark is today's episode? Green. All right. That fuck, sounds about right. Fuck your numbers. <laughs> so today we are getting into the indie darling Undertale. Undertale. Oh, man, this game. You heard of it. You've heard of it. If you haven't played it, you've seen the memes at the very least. Yes, definitely. If you played Super Smash, Sans, one of the characters from this game, is in Super Smash Brothers now. So it's like fully embedded in the Nintendo family. It is just a part of the entire zeitgeist in gaming. Truly. So we're going to get into this. Um, Before we get into it, this is a game you and I both played a couple years ago. Yeah, it's been a few years. Probably five years ago or so. So it's been a while, but we are very familiar and it's a fun time. It is a it's a blast of a game. I remember playing this like for me, it was a guy that I worked with who on his Facebook page just said Undertale, that ending. Oh, my God. And that was enough to get me to play the game. <laughs> you're an easy sell. <laughs> that's that's like one sentence of like, holy shit. And you're like, yeah, take my money. Yeah. I trusted his opinion, too, on stuff. So it was just it was good. I completely got sucked into it. Yeah. And I started playing video games a little more seriously around that time and was like, might as well. This is under eight hours or so. You know, it's actually a pretty quick game. Yeah. It can vary in length depending on what kind of path you take in the game, which I'll get into, obviously. But I think I spent maybe five hours, maybe four or five hours in it. Easily, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's very fun. Oh, such a fantastic, great game, because it doesn't look like it would be. Strangely, no, but the art is very cute. Yeah. So Undertale is a 2D role-playing game that was released on September 15th, 2015 on PC, and then eventually did come out across PS4, PS Vita for some fucking reason. Really? Xbox One and the Nintendo Switch. Have we brought, brought up any PS Vita games on this show? I've been, I'm like racking my brain. I cannot think of any games that have ended up on PS Vita except for maybe like Dragon's Lair might have. Like, ironically. Right, because it just ended up on everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone who's had a PS Vita. No, <laughs> fair enough. But like, good for you. You could have played Undertale. In June of 2013, an American developer named Toby Fox started a Kickstarter with a goal of $5,000 to fund his game Undertale. And it's basically just Toby. Oh, is this a single, like, mind again? Very similar to FNAF, yes. Okay. In a month, in July 2013, the campaign ended with over $50,000 raised across over 2,000 backers. That's a little bit more. That's 10 times more. So (laughs) he did pretty good in a month. And a a month? Feels like a short amount of time for a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. What kind of cred did he have prior to this? None. So wow. <laughs> before Undertale 
Toby, who's about my age, which is always so stressful, he basically did ROM hacks of Earthbound. Oh, okay, Earthbound. We've heard that game's name before on this show. Yeah, uh, notably Stick of Truth was very much inspired by Earthbound and that sense of being a kid and going out in the world and playing a game. Man, that's uh, two games inspired by Earthbound at this point, huh? Two very different games. Yeah. This is not the Stick of Truth episode by (laughs) any means. There are virtually no trigger warnings. This is a delightful game. (laughs) But yeah, one big thing that he did uh, for the Earthbound heads, Earthbounders? Earthbounders, I like that. Earthbounders out there. He did a Halloween ROM hack while he was in high school that got around the internet pretty well, and he got a little notoriety for that. So he and his brothers would just do Earthbound ROM hacks and fun ways of playing the game with each other that's really cool i mean i had friends that did stuff with their computers but nothing like that oh totally so it's infuriating that he's my age and so talented (laughs) when you get older when you see people your age or younger doing really well with their time you're like cool i'm a piece of shit (laughs) which is such a strange phenomenon that i'm realizing in my late 20s yeah it's hard to get through also, yes, I am 30, but I've adjusted my age for COVID, so we're, we're going with late 20s. Okay, that's fair. The game took Toby Fox about 32 months to create, where he worked on nearly every aspect of the game. So he was nearly a singular creator in the same way that the creator of FNAF was. Scott Coffin. Scott Coffin, exactly. Yeah. But Toby did work with another artist named Temi Chang, who did some of the key art for Undertale. Okay. And then a couple of the high-end Kickstarter backers got to create their own characters that show up in the game, too. Okay, that's pretty cool. Right? Like, there's a couple games I've seen where names show up. Uh, We Happy Few was a Kickstarter game, and you could put your name in as a villager, and then you can kill yourself as a villager. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah, which is kind of cute. It was at a, a higher level, of course. So did he do the music as well? Yes. He wow. He is insanely talented he wrote this he directed it he did programming for it and he wrote the music which is one of the most notable pieces of this game yeah so he's a lot like the meatly too in that sense because he did all that stuff as well yeah very much so we love these just single mind creators that just go off like it's so fascinating to see in indie gaming where it's not a lot of interruption from studios not a lot of kind of bogging down the singular idea coming together to create something really unique and special. Yeah, it reminds me of like a Robert Rodriguez or a Kevin Smith in film who like do all of it themselves, you know? They do the writing, the directing, the producing, the editing, the whole thing themselves. Oh, totally. And you know, I mean, not to knock it though, but Temi Cheng did do a lot of the art and a lot of, again, those Kickstarter artists, but Toby has said he wanted to purposefully keep that team small so it wouldn't get pulled in too many directions. Yeah, because he clearly had a very singular, like, idea of what he wanted to put together. Yeah. So speaking of the art, actually, you might appreciate this. A lot of the art was made on MS Paint. I do love that. Why? I have always said that you can do almost anything that you can do in Photoshop in MS Paint if you're good enough with MS Paint. The magnetic lasso tool is very different in MS Paint (laughs) because it doesn't fucking exist because it's MS goddamn Paint. It's just a little bit more, you know, hands-on than Photoshop has to be. You lunatic. (laughs) You and Toby. So (laughs) there's that. Toby Fox, again, he's really just known for Undertale. Undertale is obviously the big hit. It's the reason for the season why we're here today. But 
those Earthbound ROMs gave him a lot of street cred and taught him how to do this and help get his name into indie gaming circles. So people did trust him and he was able to get the word out for this title on Kickstarter. Okay. And he's since put out Deltarune, which is a sister sequel to Undertale. Okay. It's also an anagram for Undertale. Is it really? Yeah, which is fun. I did not know that at all. He can only have so many sequels in this world because there's only so many anagrams you can make with (laughs) the word Undertale. But love it. And it is like a connected sequel to this story. It's not a direct sequel, but it's in the same world. I haven't played Deltarune. I've heard it's fun. But I've also heard it's kind of in chapters, so I'm waiting to make sure that it's a complete story before I binge it. The you know full what I thing mean? is out. I get you. It's it's frustrating when you play one chapter and you're so excited, and then you sit there going, "What three more months? Yeah, come on, let's go." Like Life is Strange was difficult because you have to sit there and go, "Oh my God, is Chloe okay for three months?" I remember when the whole Bendy and the Ink Machine like saga was going on. You were like, I want to play this so badly, but I am not going to touch this until the entire fucking thing is out because I know that I don't want to wait for each chapter of it. And you went, this looks weird. And then you played it and (laughs) I did it. (laughs) So fuck me. (laughs) Anyway, Undertale was heavily influenced by Earthbound, one of his favorite projects. Right. Because he said he loved the tone, the atmosphere and how friendly it is. Oh, wow. Okay. You don't love video games for being friendly a lot, unless it's Animal Crossing. For the positivity, yeah. Yeah, for the love of the game. He said he really loved the good-hearted humor and the juxtaposition of humor with kind of real heartbreak in some of the lines that characters said and some of the kind of world-building roughness of the game. So there's this juxtaposition of love and then sadness and tragedy, which is beautiful, and he really appreciated that in the content we're gonna have to do earthbound aren't we i guess so i mean it it seems like the spawn of this like on one end we have bio shots of (laughs) (laughs) everything that's derived out of bioshock we're gonna have to do an earthbounded moment right but it can't be a drink because that's a little too aggressive it needs to be like an earthbound high five or something (laughs) like some nice finger guns yeah exactly Toby said that in Earthbound, he loved that everyone had a good heart. So that's kind of a lot of the core that he brought to Undertale. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's got a good heart to it. You're right. It's, uh, but it also doesn't have like a pure heart. (laughs) Well, there's still conflict. Yeah. (laughs) It's a game and neither does this. This is very similar. So in that respect, I can completely see the direct lineage from that game. Yeah. Toby said he wanted to make a game that he'd want to play after some fatigue from other RPGs where you go and you just kill a bunch of people and then people still think you're the hero and a good person. (laughs) So your favorite example, Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake, okay, Who's a mass murderer and pillager of artifacts, (laughs) but is treated like the coolest dude on the block. He is the superhero of the event. Yeah, so I think Toby probably played a couple of those and was like, it's a very strange culture where we're celebrating murder. Yeah. And like looting, <laughs> looting's usually bad. Stealing a lot. Like in so many games, you literally just walk into somebody's house and like start opening drawers and cabinets and just start stealing shit. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> and they're like, thank you for swinging by, sir. And you're like, no, that's theft. <laughs> he also thought that he wanted to keep the game pretty short. So he wanted to cap it at six hours max. So it just wouldn't be a big time commitment for gamers. He's like, you guys have stuff to do. I'm not going to eat up your whole time. We're not doing GTA 5. Cool it, man. And as I'm like getting older and older, I'm appreciating that more and more. 
are you? Just because you don't have to cut out 20 hours a week to get through a campaign. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. So bringing back to the music. So again, he did all the music. He is an absolute musical. Like he could tune in. He fucking gets it. He is a beautiful composer. And he's recently composed music for Pokemon Sword and Shield, which came out in 2019. Really? Yeah, which is a very fun entry in the main series Pokemon games. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to hire anybody, I mean, because he made a different song for like every boss battle, right? There's over 100 tracks on the soundtrack. It's insane how much music he created. That's outrageous. Because, yeah, like you look at like a Final Fantasy, they had three songs for battles. It was like regular battle, boss battle, final boss battle. Like that was all of the boss battle songs. And they're like, you're good to go. Goodbye. Yeah. But this game came out with a different song for each and every one of them. Yeah. Every, nearly every character you interact with has a theme. So on the music, Toby is a pianist and he took a lot of his inspiration from those super Nintendo games. So kind of those same melodies and energy you can really feel feels old school gamer. Yeah. The MIDI files that they had to use for music on the super Nintendo really lends itself to piano. Oh, okay. That's I don't know a lot about music other than I like it, <laughs> but I can appreciate it. Like, I think that's really cool. Yeah. The game's soundtrack actually peaked at number five on the U.S. Billboard charts for soundtrack albums. What? The, in a video game? Yeah, which is very rare for a video game soundtrack. Like outside of like a Guitar Hero, I couldn't imagine another game that would get into the top 10 soundtracks. Oh, entirely. Isn't that crazy? Though? No, that's wild. And like not all the music in this is like stereophonic it is bleeps and bloops a lot of the times yeah (laughs) exactly interestingly toby actually said that he composed the music for each section of the game before he would program that section to help decide how the scene would flow and the tone of the scene and how to adjust the animation to kind of fit that character's persona and theme song I mean, a lot like you would with a movie, you know, if you were oh. composing a movie and giving each person a theme and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of character work, to your point. I think that's really interesting. And since he's creating all the characters and also doing the music, like, he knows these characters better than anybody. Absolutely. He's like, how can I tell more of their story through their tone and yeah. their atmosphere? In a way, like, even a John Williams couldn't do. Ugh, isn't that incredible? That is pretty wild and really cool. No, now it makes sense why it would end up in the top 10. Yeah. (laughs) And number five is really fucking high. Yeah. The soundtrack also inspired two full cover albums. Cover albums. One is a metal and electronic cover album. (laughs) So there's metal electronic versions of all these songs. Wait, is this like the Hamilton mixtape that came out where it's like different artists covered Hamilton songs? No, but it's one band that was like, Fuck yeah, Undertale! <laughs> it's like the proto-men with Mega Man. Exactly. Okay. But for Undertale. <laughs> and then there was also a jazz cover album. Okay. I love that. Do and... they perform live? Oh, I'm sure they do. I like cons and shit, I'm sure. Oh, they have to. That'd be great. The music got so big that eventually, this is wild, it was covered by a group of performers in front of a very special person. Pope Francis. Pope Francis has listened to the music of Undertale. So in January of 2022, a group of musicians were performing for Pope Francis. Like, he just occasionally has people come through and entertain him because he's the fucking Pope. As they do. And they were like, cool, we're performing in front of the most powerful person in the Catholic Church. (laughs) We are performing Megalovania from the game Undertale. (laughs) That's amazing, though. 
bravo to the Pope. And the Pope should be aware of this because at one time, game theory YouTuber Matt Pat gave the Pope a gift of Undertale. Did he really? Yes, he gave the Pope a copy of Undertale as his gift to the Pope. I gotta know more about this. How did that end up happening? What platform does the Pope play on? Like... <laughs> I don't think the Pope's actually played it, for what it's worth. I think that that goes into the box of presents he gets from lunatics. But Matt Pat got access to the Pope for whatever fucking reason. He hasn't been on Hot Ones, and he's been campaigning for Hot Ones for years. <laughs> the Pope? No, Matt Pat. <laughs> I want to see the Pope on Hot Ones. I would love to see Sean Evans interview the Pope. That would be fucking amazing. And have Nardwall come in right after. <laughs> oh my god please so you were in seminary with this one guy <laughs> <laughs> i hear you pray to the big man <laughs> so matt pat got audience with the pope and was like i have to bring him a present here's a copy of undertale and the pope went i don't understand what's happening you are blessed my child well if the pope wants to understand what happens in undertale he can listen to this episode and so can you keep listening friends <laughs> oh gosh please don't turn us off <laughs> When Undertale came out, it quickly became a cult sensation, a lot for its music, to our point. Mm -hmm. Its characters and the unique writing style of it. Again, Toby Fox wrote the entire thing, and he has a great sense of humor. Yeah. He is an absolute delight, and it is very warm-hearted, it's friendly, it's sweet. It's, it's a light-hearted sense of humor, definitely. Absolutely. It's not the stick of truth. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not even like Portal, where it's like a simple sense of humor. It's very elevated humor. Yeah, it's... Portal has a very cynical sense of humor. This is very lighthearted. It's very loving. It's silly in parts. Like, yeah, there's a lot of dogs. It's great. But then it's also going to make you go, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. So in 2015, when the game was released on PC, it ended up being one of the best selling games on Steam that year with over half a million copies sold. Yeah, and I was one of those copies. There you go. The game has since had over three and a half million players on stream. Which is insane. I believe it. That's like as big as Louisiana. <laughs> Ratings wise, this fucking knocked its socks off. Destructoid gave it a 10 out of 10. IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. Game Informer gave it 9.5 out of 10. Polygon named it one of the decade's best games in 2019. And in 2021, IGN called it the 20th greatest game of all time. Of all time. Isn't that crazy? It's wild that this game would get like 10 out of 10s, considering that the graphics of it make it look like a 16-bit game. It is, entirely. <laughs> so that means they're giving it still a 10, like, or at least a point for the graphics of this game. But also, I think he proves himself in the graphics department in certain points. Oh, exactly. I don't want to bury the lead, but we're yeah. going to get it. <laughs> it's so good. One of the best games. Oh, far and away. And as a gamer, my experience with it, you played through and you're like, that was fucking crazy. And I said, I'm going to play that. I played it through. I got on my work Slack channel the next day. We had a Slack channel for gamers in our group chat. Mm -hmm. and I went, has anyone played Undertale? And like three people DM'd me going, oh my God, <laughs> we need to talk, bitch. And I said, yes, <laughs> I lost my mind. Before we get into the game, one of the big promises that Toby sold the game on Kickstarter with was... It's an RPG where no one has to get hurt. Oh. Which is a very sweet sentiment. He advertised it as such. Yeah, that's the tagline of the game. Let's see how he did it. All right. So the protagonist of Undertale is a child named Frisk. 
canonically. You can name your character whatever you want, but technically in the lore, your name is Frisk. Okay. And it's purposely vague across the board so the player can insert themselves into gameplay. That's very smart. It's a silent protagonist, like my boyfriend, Dr. Dr. Gordon Gordon Freeman, Freeman, who's 27. (laughs) Just a reminder, in case you've forgotten since last episode that she's mentioned that he was 27 years old. And he's my boyfriend, so back off. (laughs) Frisk has brown hair and is a small child and is wearing like a stripy sweater. He's got kind of shorter hair, so you can really just be like, that's me. Yeah. Hell yeah. Additionally, a lot of the writing is focused in second-person narrative with characters just addressing you directly or the game going you, so it's meant to really drive you into the narrative. Yeah. They want you to, like, embody this character. Exactly. And the game opens with some narration and some slides. And like you mentioned, the game is very 16-bit, and it was made on MS Paint. So you guys can imagine (laughs) what this shit looked like. Right. (laughs) It's a bunch of squares. Yeah. But it's it's a beautiful bunch of squares. Pure pixels. Yeah. So it opens with some narration, and I'm going to ballpark. I'm not going to read every single piece. And before we get into this, I'm not going to get into every single character interaction because there's a lot of things you can read, a lot of people you can interact with. I want to keep it to the main story so I'm not sitting here for six hours. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's a lot. It's a bit of an open world game. Yeah. And like with most games, we don't hit on the side missions or any of the small characters, but there are some very darling small characters that you can interact with for some very genuine, wonderful connections. And if you're interested, this is a fun game. And skill-wise, it's not a heavy lift. It's not as precise as like a Grand Theft Auto or anything. You can kind of pick this up without the dexterity of a hardcore parkour gamer. Right. So easy barrier to entry. If you are interested in video games, this is a great place to start. I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to fuck with you. It's a great story to experience. At the same time, though, because like I think it is a different experience for somebody that's going to be coming into gaming raw as it would be to somebody who is an experienced gamer. I think this game was developed for experienced gamers specifically. I think that's very fair. It's definitely written with a gamer in mind. But don't let that deter you. I think this is still a great game to start off with really regardless of your level of gameplay in the past. Absolutely. All right. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Undertale's, oh, it's, it's such a fun fucking game. It is. Long ago, two races ruled over the earth, humans and monsters. Mm. One day, war broke out between the two races. After a long battle, the humans were victorious. They sealed the monsters underground with a magic spell. Many years later... We are at Mount Ebbet. Legends say that those who climb the mountain never return. We see a child fall down a hole at the mountain, and that's where the game begins. And it's Frisk. Frisk wakes up alone on a bed of yellow flowers. And they're talking. <laughs> One <laughs> yellow flower is named Flowey. 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 Very original. <laughs> yeah. And Flowey is a classic Undertale character you've seen a thousand times. <laughs> Very much so. Probably the second most memed character after Sans, who, like I mentioned, ended up getting in Super Smash. Which, actually, I'm glad you re-brought up Super Smash, because the main character from Earthbound is also a Smash character as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. They're reunited with their lineage. Yeah. It's like being like, that's my dad. Uh Uh-huh. Like, uh, what is it, a legacy when your parent goes to a college and you go to the same college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a legacy. They both graduated their legacies into Super Smash. Yeah, they did. 
That's beautiful. You love that. Bitch, don't make me cry. I know. You've got this like really sentimental look on your face right now. Sentimental is a perfect phrase for how I feel about this game. So Flowey does a quick tutorial saying that your heart is your soul, the very culmination of your being. He says that your heart can grow with lots of LV, which he says is love, of course. You want some love, don't you? Sorry, you said LV? Yes. And so as a gamer, you're reading this, right? Right. So you're seeing level. Yes. Oh, and I apologize. To be clear, these aren't voiced characters. Mm -hmm. You are reading all of this through text, and there's kind of blips and bloops as the lines cross over to signify that a character is speaking, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Yet the characters still have a voice at the same time. Their boops are different. Yeah. Each character has their own like unique bleeps and bloops to them. Yes. And the bleeps and bloops for Sans, the character that I keep mentioning that we haven't met yet, is actually based on Patrick from SpongeBob. Really? Yeah, his little like <laughs> it, it sounds like that. I'm not making a derp noise, but it's a little derpy. But yeah, it's based on Patrick from SpongeBob. Oh, that's great. Which is very sweet. So yes, the LV, your level, quote unquote, is represents your love, which you need in life. Love is shared through friendliness pellets. And friendliness pellets are bullets. Once he drops the bullet on you, you move your heart in a small box controller to avoid them. If your heart hits the friendliness pellet, which is a bullet, you take <laughs> damage. So you control your heart in a battle mechanic called bullet hell. Are you familiar with that term? I have never heard bullet hell, no. Okay, I was reading this. It's a difficult thing to describe. Hopefully other gamers understand, but I'll do my best. You're in a small box on the screen, and there are elements coming down at you through the box and as your heart in the middle of the box you have to dodge them and if mm -hmm. you don't dodge them you take damage so it's kind of like a flappy bird sometimes i was also thinking it's like the opposite of a guitar hero yes <laughs> you are avoiding the things coming down at you yeah instead of trying to hit them you're trying to avoid them that's perfect yeah yeah so there's a couple examples hopefully that makes sense and if it doesn't play the game it's great yeah <laughs> we are not getting paid for this there's no commission but there should be because i'm gonna shill some fucking copies of undertale on this bitch yeah so if you avoid these flowey gets mad and asks if you're brain dead <laughs> <laughs> which is so rude and he's like do you want to just see me suffer <laughs> and he's like you're gonna die now and oh. you're like that's terrible but then you get saved by a goat lady a goat lady. Her name is Toriel, and she takes you to her home. Okay. And she is the sweetest mom in gaming. How does she save you? She's kind of like, I got you. Let's go. Let's okay. get away from this fucking flower. <laughs> she kind of just rolls in. She calls you innocent. And she calls you little one. She's insanely maternal off the bat. Yeah. And her home's a little ways away, so you guys walk together, and she shows you some puzzle mechanics of the game, like, Stepping on a stone to unlock something else or how to flip a switch so that you can move things around. Pretty basic gaming mechanics. She's giving you some tutorial stuff. Yeah, in a very sweet way. <laughs> so Toriel walks you through some of these puzzle areas and then she's like, hey, you need to hang out here. I have some business to attend to. You cool? Just like, in the middle of the forest? Yeah, like it's a it's an opening area. And she's like, it's really dangerous. So just like stay here. I'm going to give you a cell phone. Hang out. Monster World cell phone. Yeah, Monster World cell phone. Okay. It doesn't have texting. <laughs> they make it a point to be like, it's so old it doesn't have texting. Oh. Which is a very dated thing to say. That's how long ago the monsters were sealed away. Yeah. <laughs> In like 2006. <laughs> <laughs> so 
She quickly starts calling you over and over again. She's like, hey, you good? All right. Do you like butterscotch? Okay, bye. And then she's like, hey, do you like cinnamon? Okay, bye. Like, it's very mom and just please don't die on me. She's just going to fill you up with sugar? Yeah. She's super sweet. So you get bored and you start walking around and you run into this sad ghost who's blocking your way. (laughs) A sad ghost? Yeah. So you can kill him or if you cheer him up, he like dips. Okay. She comes back and she heals you after your ghost battle and she's so sad she left you alone for so long. And you get to her house and she made you a cinnamon butterscotch pie. That's why she was asking if you like those flavors. Isn't that so cute? She's such a sweetheart. She has a room set up for you and is so excited for a quiet life with you in the ruins. She's like, I'm going to be your teacher. I've got a lesson plan. We're going to read books. It's going to be fabulous. So she's not planning on helping you escape. No, she adopted you. (laughs) She is tucking you in for a long winter's nap. She is your mommy now. Okay. You don't have direct voice lines, but characters react to your questions, even though you're technically a silent protagonist. Okay. Like you're selecting questions yourself as the player? Not really. It's strange. There's implied conversations that happen. Okay. So you don't say anything at all, but then they'll respond to you. Yeah. And sometimes you have an option of like, ask about this or leave or interact or they're very simple ones, but you don't get a full voice line. Got it. So you're like, how do I leave? And she gets uncomfortable and is like, uh, I'm busy. (laughs) Oh, you follow her as she goes to a new room and she's like, do you want to go home to the human world? Yes, please. She says the ruins where you are have one entrance to the underworld where the monsters are sealed and she's going to destroy it. And she tells you to just go upstairs. Just go upstairs of her house. Yeah, it kind of goes from adopting to kidnapping pretty quick. Yeah, real fast. (laughs) Then she says every human who's fallen down here has died. Eventually or from the fall or eventually. Oh, no. But bad. She says if you leave the ruins, Asgore will kill you. Asgore? Yeah. Who's Asgore? He's the king that we will find out about more later in the game. Okay. He does not sound like a benevolent king. And she basically is like, if you want to get through to the underground, you're going to have to go through me first. You have to go through her first? Yeah. But is she a good person or a bad person now? She's in your way now. She was making you butterscotch pie. Or cinnamon or both. Oh, no. Depending on how you answered, if you like butterscotch or cinnamon. I said yes to both, so I got a butterscotch cinnamon pie. <laughs> well, good. So you murder her. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, it's that or what? Yeah. So you leave the ruins and you run into Flowey, who's like, uh, ha ha, and he starts heckling you. So now am I supposed to trust Flowey because, like, Turiel was bad, but she saved me from Flowey, so what do we do? I don't, Flowey's kind of a dick. <laughs> And then this is where we get the Undertale title card. Oh, really? Yeah, they do one of those delayed title cards, which is so fun. Like The Departed, like 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Can I tell you, I watched that Hulu movie Fresh the other night. Okay. And I clocked it because it was so jarring. At the 33-minute mark, they dropped the title card. 33 minutes? Yeah. That's absurd. That's completely absurd. That's over an episode of television later. It took me out of it. Yeah. Because I and I stopped and went, how fucking late are we into this game or movie? I was like, did I was I checking my phone too much? And I'm what happened? No. 33 minutes in is when you get the title card for Holy fresh. Holy shit. And it's jarring as fuck. Yeah. Like when the departed does it 20 minutes in, it's cool as shit. Yeah, and like the music's swelling, and you know the music because they use it in all the marketing. Yeah. The departed's just also 
pretty much a perfect movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Of all time. Oh, so good. So Undertale did that. Wow. Hell yeah. Good for Undertale. So now you're walking alone in the woods and you're approached by a skeleton. A skeleton? Named Sans. Okay, so this is the person that you've named like a few times. Yeah, this is my boy. Sans is like a short squat skeleton. He is goofy as hell. Yeah. And he is one of the most memeable characters. People love him. This is where a lot of the cult formed was like the cult of Sans. <laughs> and he's named Sans because his speech bubbles, unlike any other character in the game, are in comic Sans. <laughs> no one else has that. It's just him. Everybody's favorite font. It's like a visual accent. It's great. <laughs> so he's like, hey, shake my hand. Shake his hand. It's a bone hand. So you shake his hand and he had a whoopee cushion and it makes a whoopee cushion noise. So he farts at you? The whoopee cushion. Okay. <laughs> he's just, and that's his whole vibe. He's just a big jokester. He's just a big silly boy. And he's like, haha, my brother Papyrus loves hunting humans, but I don't care. My brother loves hunting humans. Yeah. No wonder all the humans die when they fall down here. This is a volatile place to be a human. Apparently. And you're just a child. So like Sans, his brother Papyrus speaks in Papyrus font. <laughs> the most obscene font. Yeah. Papyrus is a tall, skinny one because there's always a short, fat one and a tall, skinny one. Do they have like a cousin wingding? I hope so. We don't talk about Wingding. The way they have the one Braithwaite cousin in the outhouse chained up in Red Dead, that's Wingdings. And Tahoma's is over here just trying to hold it down for all these bitches. So he sees Papyrus and Papyrus is like, Sans, you need to recalibrate your puzzles. I must be the one. Which is a very aggressive thing to yell at someone. It really is. The one to what? And Papyrus is like, if I capture a human, I can finally join the Royal Guard. Oh, is that like the price to entry? Yeah. You have to capture a human? Like in Dr. Horrible, how you have to commit a murder to join the evil League of Evil. Right. Same deal. Okay. If you capture a human, that's how you get into the Royal Guard, which is Papyrus's life dream. I don't like Papyrus. And you're kind of off to the side watching this happen. Like, cool, 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 cool. I want to go home. I'm a people. This is not good for me. No, it's not. And Sans gives him some shit while keeping you hidden is kind of like, haha, my brother's a goofball. <laughs> and after Papyrus leaves, he's like, Papyrus is completely harmless. <laughs> don't worry about him. I don't believe him. Yeah, you're skeptical? Yeah, because Papyrus is literally, I'm going to hunt a human. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of go forward and you run back into Papyrus and Sans and Papyrus sees you and is so excited he's like hell yeah capturing a human is gonna make me so popular popular again don't trust dork. this guy <laughs> he says he's gonna deliver you to the capital and then they both run off like he doesn't handle this in the moment he's like shit yeah and then dips is he going off to get a net okay basically so <laughs> this next section is papyrus trying to set traps for you so he can capture you instead of just grabbing you because you're a four foot eight child oh good yeah i haven't played this game in years at this point so there's a lot that i've forgotten <laughs> so you keep going through the woods and sans and papyrus are showing up and making you do like bad puzzles it's kind of move a rock now you can get through the path okay so nothing too crazy i'm exaggerating but they're very simple and they're not Again, this is the first section of the game. Right. Nothing's going to be too crazy. They're not going to bog you down. Papyrus is kind of an idiot. 
<laughs> At one point, San said that Papyrus got stumped trying to solve the horoscope. The horoscope. Solve it. What do you What's he trying to solve? He's a fucking moron. <laughs> fucking Papyrus. He said I've got it. The answer is Virgo. <laughs> so in this section you run into a lot of dogs. And Toby Fox is a big fan of dogs. As you should be. And he hid himself in the game as a character called Annoying Dog. Annoying Dog. Who's a small dog who kind of looks like a corgi or a Pomeranian. Okay. It's a very cute dog. We like that dog a lot. There's some dogs that can smell you and if you don't move, they can't see you. There's some dogs that are very curious. Like a T-Rex? Kind of. But as a dog. (laughs) So you make it to the town of Snowden which is a super cute snow town like you've seen in any RPG. You know, there's a shop, there's people walking around going, oh, replaceable content, I'm an NPC. Okay. You know, that stuff. That kind of snow town. Papyrus kind of mentions that he's catching feelings for you and he loves pasta. Oh. Which is kind of zero to 60. Yeah, from I want to capture you to like, I want to take you out. Yeah, it's a little much. And then he's like, no, I need to capture you to get into the Royal Guard. No, dude, like, capture my heart, not my body. So you kill him. (laughs) As you should. And basically, the lore is that Papyrus stalked the head of the Royal Guard, begging to be a part of the Royal Guard. He, like, followed this bitch and was like, please, 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 let me be a Royal Guard. And she's like, you know what? If you can capture a human, sure, you can fucking do it. Oh. So that was his whole goal. And uh, he failed miserably, I take it. He's a fucking idiot. And now he's dead at the hands of a human. He couldn't solve the horoscope or anything. You know, died at the hands of a human, like, child. A child. So a full-grown adult, he would not have, like, any chance whatsoever. Yeah. So you're like, fuck this noise. I'm going home. You keep rolling through, and you get into, like, a marshland area. Mm -hmm. It's on a marsh where there's, like, frogs and water, and it's, like, real humid. Yeah. Swamp, maybe? Swampy marsh, yeah. And along the walls are placards that describe the history of humans and monsters. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you some lore dump. Just I'm not going to read off every single one, but there's some good backstory. Some of it was covered in those first slides. We're going to get into it now. Now, is this more Ratman in Portal 2? <laughs> or is this more in the Neverhood where they wrote like 40 screens worth of backstory on the walls? This is closer to Neverhood. It's like a monument or when you go to a memorial and they have fucking like, oh, the war was bad. Okay, the then. So it's basically that humans and monsters used to rule the earth together. One day humans just attack the monsters out of nowhere and like mercilessly. Ooh. And it was said that it was because of their only weakness was having their soul absorbed by a monster. So absorbed. Yeah. So they were like, fuck that shit. If we kill all the monsters, that's not going to happen. Okay. Why are the monsters around if they're just absorbing human souls anyway? I mean, they were peaceful before that. Yeah. So things were going great. And then humans got nervous. We're like, oh, preliminary attack. Yeah, because they can absorb your soul. So like reasonable. Like, I get it. (laughs) The monsters were too weak to put up a fight. The soul of nearly every monster combined is only just as strong as the power of one human soul. Oh, so that's why they needed to absorb human souls. Yeah, they were like, our souls are super fucking weak compared to human souls. Countless monsters were massacred without a single human soul taken. Oh, damn. So it was a fucking just... Genocide. Total genocide. 
A few monsters survived, one of which was Gerson, who's a salesperson turtle that you meet later. Oh, Just, that's for funsies. Turtle. He's also known as the Hammer of Justice. The Hammer of Justice? When you meet him, he's literally an old man turtle. It's the sweetest fucking thing in the world. But he was once the Hammer? Yeah. Damn, okay. I love him. So the monsters surrendered, and the humans got seven of their best magicians, because magic exists. They're magicians, sure. And magically sealed the monsters under Mount Abbott in the underworld. I, yeah, I get it. Again, probably where they belong. So if a monster does get and absorb a human soul, they get crazy powerful. Mm. And as you're kind of leaving, Undyne comes out and attacks you. Now, Undyne is the head of the royal guard that Papyrus was stalking. Oh, the one that said to go capture a human. Yeah, she is a bad bitch. She is in head-to-toe armor. She lives for fucking fighting. She got a big old sword. She's cool as fuck. Okay, she got her own buster sword. Yeah, and she's been kind of creeping on you. You've kind of seen her in the corner of frames being like, watching you. Oh, creepy. And now she's like, ah, I'm gonna get you. (laughs) You barely make it through and you just head deeper into the marsh. Okay. like, holy shit. In the marsh, though, you, this is one of the few diversions I'm going to make, I promise. You meet a tentacled onion named Onion-san. Onion-san. I love him. What does Onion-san do? He just follows you around and he talks about the aquarium. Oh, thank that, you, Onion-san. That's it. And that's, <laughs> but it's just such a, he's a sweet little baby angel and I love him. You don't fight him. You don't really interact with him. He sees you walking through the marsh part that he lives in. He pops up and goes, hey man, what's up? He's a tentacled onion. I love him. All right. This game's fucking weird. So there's more history on the walls that say after a human dies, its soul persists. But after a monster dies, its soul just disappears. Oh, wow. So that's kind of speaking to the strength of a human soul right it would take a lot of power to take the soul of a living monster but there is an exception the soul of a special series of monster called a boss monster is strong enough to persist after death if only for a few moments okay and that's when you can steal that soul yeah a human could absorb this soul but it's never happened and never will question mark dun 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 It's very dramatic. (laughs) You go through some rain and Undyne finds you and chases you, attacking you again. And you get chased off a ledge. And once again, you wake up on a bed of yellow flowers. Oh. And now you're surrounded by garbage. Oh, trash garbage. (laughs) You get attacked and then saved by the sad ghost you met in the ruins. Oh, now you're getting saved by the ghost? Yeah, because if you're like, hey, buddy, you good? Oh. He's like, I got you. Now he's the friendly ghost. Yeah. After he saves you, you guys just go vibe for a bit and listen to spook house music. That's fair. So back in the normal part of the game. Sorry, spook house music. It's really good. I love that. Outside, there's more history on the barrier that sealed the monsters. If the monsters could get seven human souls, then they could break the spell that the seven humans created the barrier with, and then they'd be free and be able to go back to the overworld and walk around the earth again. Oh, is this why Undyne wanted a captured human? Yeah, we need them souls, bitch. Oh, no. How many souls do they have? I will tell you when we get there. Okay. (laughs) Going forward, we come into a cave of these cute cat monsters that are named Temmie. 
Timmy? For Timmy Chang, the other artist that worked on Undertale. Oh, so one's a dog and one's a cat. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> There's a little shop there where you can buy things. You can interact with them. They're kind of singing and dancing. You don't fight with them. They're just there to be friendly. Okay, good. It's so cute. You run into Undyne again, and she's like, with seven human souls, I could break the barrier and make King Asgore a god and take the surface back from humanity. Oh my gosh, that is quite the... Uh... It's a lot. That is quite the mission. You are a child that followed a ball bouncing down the mountain. Right. And now you're in hell. <laughs> this is hell. Undyne says, give me your soul or I'll tear it out of your body. How do you like volunteer give your soul? Well, she's making a good point, isn't she? It's not like Faustus where you can like sign it in blood and just like, all right, now you have my soul, is it? No. Yeah, you gotta die. Yeah, you have to die. Fuck that. <laughs> This is great, though. So a fan of Undyne's stops her, and she gets really mad and drags him off the screen so you can escape. A fan of Undyne? I'm not joking. It's literally a little monster that's like, Undyne, Undyne, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> and she's like, the fuck, dude? And tears him, like, grabs him by the collar and takes him home and is like, you need to fucking leave me alone before I murder this child. Like, I can't commit murder in front of my fan, basically. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's great. This game is very sweet. In a, it's tender in weird ways. Right. We're talking about killing a child, but also like, yeah, it's a sweet game. <laughs> so you come up on a mountaintop and Undyne is there. And she's like, seven human souls and Asgore becomes a god. She says they have six right now. Oh. So we are in the lucky end game. number seven. Oh, yes. And she's like, I'm going to tell you the history of monsters. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> You're standing in front of everyone's hopes and dreams. You're going to die. Oh, my gosh. And this is where she fights you. And it is an ass kicker. And like you can understand their motives. Like they just want freedom. Oh, totally. They've been trapped underground. Like they're in a basically a collapsed mine. Yeah. Under a mountain. And it's not their fault that the way out is through seven human souls. Like, that's not their fault. They yeah. were trapped away by the humans. The humans put that contingency there. Yeah, they lost the battle. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it. Oh, yeah. You do? This yeah. one sucks. Absolutely. This one's fucking hard as shit. Like, it's pretty early on in the game. This is a boss battle, and it's no pulled punches. <laughs> yeah, they're putting the boss in boss battle. She is reasonably the head of the royal guard. <laughs> you get why the other six humans are fucking dead as shit. Yeah. So you get through that battle. You defeat her. You're like, cool. Mm -hmm. Bye, bitch. And you get into an area called the Hotland. The Hotland. So you're in hell. You're in Hotlanta, baby. <laughs> no, you're in hell. Hotland is basically magma, very volcano themed. Mm. So you enter a laboratory, a uh, science laboratory. Science lab stuff, huh? Yeah. And you meet Dr. Alphys, who looks kind of like a dinosaur in a lab coat. I like it. It's so like the lizard from Spider-Man. But real cute. Okay. But like short and squat and real nervous. <laughs> and this is the royal scientist who's been watching you watching you she reveals this tv screen that's been showing you walking around this turned into the hunger games people are now watching you survive oh my god it's mostly just dr alfie is like no one else you don't have a following or anything 
okay. You're not like Undyne with fans just cruising out <laughs> to interrupt you in the game. Well, I was thinking it's like a newscast is like, there's another human in the underworld. Like, let's follow them until they die so we can capture their soul. Hang on to that. <laughs> That's going to come back around. I'm so glad you said that. I really have forgotten a lot of this game. I know. This is, you are genuinely surprised at things. <laughs> you introduced me to this game. <laughs> So Dr. Alphys is like, I've been watching you and I just, this has been fucking crazy. Are you good? And you're like, no, of course I'm fucking not good. And she's like, so I got to tell you something. Oh, great. Now that we're friends. I created a robot called Metaton that was originally made to be entertaining on TV. Totally get it. So was Ryan Seacrest. Mm -hmm. And a while ago, I upgraded Metaton to have anti-human combat features. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also like Ryan Seacrest? As you do. So once I saw you coming, I decided to remove those features, but I made a tiny mistake. What's the mistake? Metaton is now an unstoppable killing machine with a thirst for human blood. That's the complete opposite of what you tried to do. Tiny mistake. Sorry, babe. Have fun. Little, little tiny mistake. So you're like, that's great, Dr. Alfie's mistake couldn't get worse, you piece of shit. Whoopsie. <laughs> Whoopsies. But Dr. Alves is like, I'm pretty hopeful you won't run into him. Let's get you through the hotland so you can get home, I guess. Yeah. So then Metaton shows up. Of course, the bloodthirsty robot. Bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and begins a game show where you have to answer trivia questions, right? Or you die. Oh my goodness. So now we're in the middle of a Jackbox quiz game. Yes. (laughs) Where death is on the line. All right, Princess Bride, let's do it. Inconceivable. Thankfully, within the game, Dr. Alphys is helping you cheat by kind of pointing to the right question or like kind of shoving her hands in like a B if the answer is B and kind of nodding of like, hey, sorry about the death thing. So Dr. Alphys is on your side. Okay, good. So after the game show, Dr. Alphys gives you her phone number and upgrades your phone and signs you up for monster social media and then friends you. Oh, that's sweet. Can you text now? She is lonely. Um, It still mostly calls the way you interact with people. It doesn't allow for texting as a great game mechanic. Okay. She's like, your phone is old as shit, bitch. (laughs) I'm sending you up for Facebook for monsters. Right. And I am friends with you now. It's kind of like those people that just kind of add you on their phone. They're like, give me your Instagram. And then they add themselves and you're like, yeah, no, you never hear from them again. I had a ratio thing going on and I didn't want to add you, bitch. Also, don't take my phone. Also, our Instagram is at the other castle. <laughs> so now you're friends with this fucking weirdo right. on Facebook and she runs away. You can kind of go through the lab and there's a library with human history books labeled. And when you read them, they're almost all comic books. Oh, so that's what they think the human history is. Yes. Oh, wonderful. So they're like the Thermians in Galaxy Quest. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Where they think media is truth. Right. And they don't understand the concept of lying or fiction. Oh, no. Which is, I guess, the same thing. (laughs) But one of my favorite things, just to divert for one second, it's a comic book where two chefs are throwing pancakes at each other. Well, I love that comic. Oh, it's so good. It's a classic. The Long Halloween. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So back out in the Hotlands, Dr. Alphys calls you to explain that some puzzles can keep progressing, and it's a lot of puzzles that are similar to the ones in Toriel's Tutorial. Oh, I like that. Thank you. That took 
several takes. <laughs> and they keep getting harder. So Dr. Alfie's kind of wants to give you a heads up like, hey, there's magma. Watch your back. Just some casual magma. Good luck. And you accidentally walk into Metaton's cooking show. Now he's got a cooking show? Can you guess what the cooking show is called? Cooking with a killer robot. Cooking with a killer robot. That's fantastic. They had signage printed that says this. <laughs> Today they're making cake. Human cake? The cake is not real. It's cake. a lie. <laughs> the cake is a lie. I just wanted to give you that one. I'm sorry. Oh. We just did our portal episodes and it was so good. The cake is a lie. And since you're the special guest, you have to grab the ingredients. It says we need milk, sugar, and eggs. And they're in the studio, so you walk back, and you're like, okay, I'm picking up the eggs, picking up the milk, picking up the sugar. And then he holds up a chainsaw and says, and one human soul. So it turned into cutthroat kitchen real fast. It turned into cutthroat humans, because he's going to kill the human. <laughs> so Dr. Alfie's calls live on TV and talks Mediton into using a substitute to buy you some time. All right, so this doctor's like really on your side. So there's a can of human soul <laughs> substitute that Metaton puts on a platform and is like, cool, grab me that. You have a minute. So you're like, da, 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 da. And then the platform shoots up several stories into the sky. I'm sorry. I'm not over the Bakos version of human souls that's in a can. <laughs> Can't believe it's not human. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. It's great. Oh, Again, it's good. This game does have lovely humor. It's very <laughs> offbeat and weird and silly. So you're like, there's no way I can climb this four story fucking thing right. to get this can. And Dr. Alphys is like, hey, I upgraded your cell phone to have a jetpack. You're good. <laughs> your cell phone now has a jetpack? Your old phone was very old. So Dr. Alphys had to give you a lot of upgrades. Still can't text. No. Okay. <laughs> there's also no snake. You. <laughs> Is there any games on this phone? There's no camera. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so you ride your jetpack up to get the can. <laughs> of course you do. Which is a real sentence. <laughs> so you don't get killed by the robot. <laughs> the killer robot. I think this is the point where it goes off the rails. That has a cooking show. Yes. And a game show. One of the best games of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> This is, though. I, I know. I fully stand no by joke. that. That's it really is. Like, I'm laughing and shaking my head, but I'm fully still invested. <laughs> and if you haven't played it, you have to play it. It's a perfect fucking game. I don't think I'm doing this justice <laughs> at all. I'm getting really insecure, but I'm having a great time. Right. So you make it out by giving the robot the substitute can of human souls. <laughs> And Dr. Alphys is like, all right, the core is through there. And then you can get to King Asgore and then get home. Sure you can. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, I don't care. I hate everything. Why can't I just use the jetpack to get out of here? Yeah, right. Anyway. Now that I have one. So you get through some more puzzles. Mm -hmm. And as you're getting through puzzles, you get on MTT News, a news show run by Metaton. Oh, wait, is this the news program that I had mentioned earlier, like, oh, by total accident? The one that you joked about? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Entirely. <laughs> That's where we are with life right now. And Metaton is like, we're here our field reporter, and you report on shit like finding a dog. Oh. 
like the camera's on you and you can kind of go around this small section of the map and you see a dog and you're like, there's a dog here. Oh, so not the dog that is the creator of the game. It's a version of that dog. Okay. There's kind of slight variations of annoying dog everywhere. So it's basically Toby. Yeah. They probably only have like three assets of dog for the entire game. Yeah. And there's a couple other things the map you interact with. I think there's like a tree. Okay. And then Metaton reveals the dog is a bomb. The dog was a lie. And the whole area is surrounded by bombs. Oh, the area is a bomb. The area is a bomb. <laughs> You're the field reporter, so Metaton's off in... Back to the studio, Metaton. To, excuse me, the studio. Thank you. My brain stopped working. So Metaton's in a studio far away going, haha, you're surrounded by bombs. <laughs> and he's not fucking with you. The dog was a bomb. <laughs> Why was the... Okay. Metaton says you have to defuse the bombs or you'll die. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully. Dr. Dr. Apes installed bomb diffusing tech in your phone. Of course he did. I mean, if he's going to put the jetpack in there, he might as well put bomb diffusing tech. Just cover all the bases. Yeah. No find my phone, but we have this. <laughs> Still can't text. No calculator. <laughs> did you get my text? <laughs> this pisses off Metaton, who just kind of huffs off. <laughs> and then you go through a spider area. And this is one of the bosses that was created by a Kickstarter. Oh, fun. Which is kind of cool. And... After that, you come up on Metaton, who's doing a musical as a princess. So Metaton is like a robot of all talents. A lunatic. Yes. <laughs> and they're singing, indicated by kind of the text and stuff and the prose of it. Yeah. About how humans should live far away or they'll die. Metaton kind of reminds me of Thespian Bot from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> But a little more unhinged because they're programmed to murder. Right. <laughs> then he sends you into a dungeon with some puzzles and fights you. Fights you, fights you? Yeah. Okay. No more like pop quiz fight? <laughs> no, it's a pretty real fight. Okay. You find a hotel and there's a shop around the corner. You can kind of interact with some things. So you cruise through. You're getting closer to the core. And then mm. you run into Metaton again. Again. And Metaton looks at you and he's like, I gotta tell you, Dr. Alphys has been playing you. But, like, Metaton, you've tried to kill me, like, a lot. You can't trust anyone, first of all, and especially not kill a robot who's just here to murder. But also, I guess your soul is very valuable, and you're gonna have a lot of people out for it. That's true. That's very true. So you're like, who do I trust? Oh, shit. Metaton then ascends. <laughs> ascends. <laughs> and begins a program called Attack of the Killer Robot, and becomes super OP, and transforms into the fabulous rock star in his new body, Metaton X. Metaton X. And then he tries to kill you some more. That is the most metal-ass robot rock star I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so you gotta get through that fucking fight. What the fuck? <laughs> now, something about the fights I want to talk about, too. Because like I was saying, each boss gets like their own music. But each boss also gets their own fight mechanic, which that's I think true. is so fucking cool. It's not like a Final Fantasy that's turn-based or anything like that. Like, every one of these fights, you're very interacting with the fight, and each one of them has their own mechanic. Very much so. 
Their slight variations is not like they rebuild the fight mechanics for each person. No. But they are tailored to each person in a very interesting way. Yeah, some of them are just like a quick button press that you have to hit like right at the right time. Some of it's like that dodging you were talking about. They all have like their own little little tweaks and variations of it. Yeah, a lot of the small bosses that you can, or excuse me, small battles you can get into are quick time events where you kind mm. of have to... You're on a lever and you have to hit it in a green area to get a better hit than if you hit in a red area kind of thing. But yeah, to your point, they are very much tweaked for each individual's fighting style and their character style, which is really interesting. Yeah. So Dr. Aphis is like, I'm sorry about all that. <laughs> My bad. What does he have to say about the fact that he was just called a, a liar? It happens, you know. <laughs> so basically, as you're leaving, Alvis is like, You'll need a human soul and a monster soul to cross the barrier if you want to go home. So if you want to go home, you'll have to kill Asgore. Oh. I'm sorry. And then dips. So it's fully laid out now. If you die, Asgore will take your soul and open up the barrier and the monsters will take over the humans and destroy the human world. Yeah. If you kill Asgore, you take his soul with you and you can go home. But you will leave this place in ruins without a king. Oof. That's a real Sophie's choice. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a real pickle. Damn, and you're a child still. You are a child. <laughs> <laughs> Through this, you make it to King Asgore's court. Right. And here you run into Sands. Okay. Now, this is where things get a little tricky. Definitely uh, changes the game here. And I want to tell you something. From this point forward, there are ninety three different endings. Yep. 93 ways this can fucking go. Free reign who, bitch? <laughs> All right. So start at number one and work your way through 93. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> so probably one of the wildest things you can experience as a gamer. Mm -hmm. Sans explains that in this world, your actions are real. Yep. And for every person you've killed, your level has gone up. But at what cost? Yep. And he kind of explains that at no point did you actually have to kill anyone to get to this point. Not a single person. There were always options to give mercy, to flee, to not fight. Mm -hmm. And that includes everyone. Metaton, you could have kind of wasted time until his batteries ran out and he would just be uncharged. Yep. Um, fucking Toriel, you could have spared and she would have lived in the ruins. Fucking Papyrus could have lived. Fucking Undyne could have lived. Every single character you've interacted with could have lived. Yeah. But you as a goopy gamer took their lives. Yeah. I mean, this is why I say this game was made for experienced gamers because like that's how you go into any RPG. You go in with the concept, with the idea that I'm going to have to kill my way through all of this. And... Like any other game, this would be a bio shot. This is a bio chug. Would you kindly fucking chug that shit? Because a lot like Bioshock, it's giving you this questioning the concept of the gamer and what your role is as the gamer compared to the player. Absolutely. And this game really just fucks with you. Yeah. In telling you, you could have done a pacifist run. You chose not to. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's on you. Yeah. Oh, it's a fuck up. It you you immediately are like, am I a bad person? Right. Oh my god. And I'm a goopy gamer. I didn't think that sparing would be good because I wanted my level to go up. Because you want your if you don't kill anyone, you don't get XP. 
and your level doesn't go up, but you right. can still fight. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. But as a dumb shit gamer, like I am, <laughs> I wanted my <laughs> level to go up, so I was killing people and killing people. And he's like, "The higher your level, the more fucking bloodlusty you are." Yeah, you murderer. And you're like, "I did kill your brother. That's on me." Yeah, my beat. completely murders his brother. Like you've killed so many people to get to this point. Yeah. And you didn't have to kill anyone. Yeah. And he's literally like, you are judged for your every action. Everyone you've killed. It's measured in execution points. That's your XP is execution points. Oh, it's so fucked up to take what we as a gamer like expect as experience points was execution points. Like oh. that is fucking horrifying to find out. He goes on to say the more XP you have, the higher your LV or level of violence. Oh, A way of measuring someone's capacity to hurt. Just to find out how, like, violent you as a gamer are instinctively, like, made to play. Oh, my God. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a question. It's heartbreaking. It is. Because you realize, yeah, I've been conditioned to be violent. Like, I don't believe that video games make people violent i agree like i don't think they make people violent by it's a good stress relief if anything yeah especially for those people that aren't violent and don't act on those kind of feelings but this game is telling you you are conditioned for virtual violence at the very least absolutely (laughs) when you don't feel like there are real world consequences you can go buck wild like you're running through red dead right now on an asshole arthur run oh i'm going full-blown evil arthur (laughs) and one of my favorite Characters of video games is Trevor from Grand Theft Auto Five. Right. Pure chaos. Pure chaos. Murdering chaos. Yeah. But yeah, this one hurts. This one, yeah. You feel personal because, again, it's been second person this entire game. They're saying you. Yeah. And because your character hasn't spoken the entire game, it is you as the person. They really do put the weight on you. Yeah. Ugh. And you don't think about it, and then you get there and you go, oh my god. (laughs) I'm a bad person. Are we the baddies? Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) So before we move on, I do want to like break off a couple pieces. If you spare Papyrus, you can either be his friend or Mm. not be his friend. And if you're his friend, he like calls you and checks up on you and wants to hang out and stuff. So... Like in Grand Theft Auto, when all these people, like, you, you can make friends on your cell phone yeah. and you can call them up to hang out. Totally. <laughs> if you spare Undyne, who was the head of the Royal Guard, right, and you're friends with Papyrus, Papyrus is like, you guys should be friends. We should all hang out. Really? And Papyrus orchestrates this whole thing for you to go to Undyne's house to hang out and is like, I'm going to leave you two to be best friends, jumps through a window, and then you and Undyne just have to hang out. This game turns into Night in the Woods real fast if you play like a pacifist run. Just real quirky shit. And then Undyne burns her house down. Why? She's like trying to cook, gets distracted, accidentally burns her house down and is like, I guess I'm going to go to Snowden to hang out with Papyrus for a while. Uh, I'll see you around. Thanks for not killing me. Bye. Yeah, I have never gone back and done a pacifist run of this game. I only did my (laughs) first run through, got my head like fucking blown out totally. and then i was just like i need to put this down for a while and i never picked it back up but like there's so many storylines that can occur yeah. as a pacifist run that you would have never imagined absolutely and a full pacifist run is close to six hours six hours and yeah. how long for like say you like genocide run a genocide run where you kill everyone is just about under three so you actually get only half the story if you're killing everybody 
Here's the thing. There is different lore unlocked and different voice lines unlocked. Like I said, there are 93 different endings that consist of different makeups of who lives and who dies and who tells the story. And through that, you piece together all the lore. So people on YouTube who have watched all the run throughs have pieced together through pacifist and genocide runs. And they're called kind of neutral runs where some people die and some people live. But there are key characters that change stories slightly. Yeah, I think I did a neutral run my first time. I think I let like two or three people live just because I kind of wanted to experiment with like, what does it look like when I let somebody live? Exactly. I did a, I did the same thing. I think it was more of just, I'm about to die, so I'll spare you so I can go heal myself. Because one of the things I remember from the game was, unlike most RPGs, there is a finite number of people you can kill. Correct. Every single person, bad guy, like just even out in the wild... The random encounters aren't even random. There is a finite number and there's an exact number of them. Yeah. And I remember there was a point where I was struggling with a boss battle and I was like, damn it, I need to go back and kill more and gain more level and gain more XP and grind and grind out a little bit and then come through and get this boss battle. Like, I remember doing that and (laughs) it fucks you up because then you think back to it and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't have to do any of it. Yeah, I could have skipped this boss battle. I could have let this person live and let all those other things that I killed lived as well. Exactly. Oh, just best game of the year. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to bring that up now because now is where the game can really split into obviously 93 full endings. But there's kind of two big buckets of endings. So we've been talking a lot about killing a lot of these characters like you could let live which would have been the right decision to right let your mom live we're gonna go with the genocide run for this first ending that i'm gonna talk about and then i'll talk about the other version okay so if you have killed everyone in your path on the way here <laughs> <laughs> you know just a trail of blood yeah path of destruction you make it to asgore who is in his chamber lined with yellow flowers mm-hmm Flowey appears occasionally to lore dump about how Flowey died and came back as a flower and how liberating it is to kill and that he keeps resetting the world and playing the timeline and knows that you are different. Oh. So Flowey can step outside of his role as a game, break the fourth wall and reset the game to live through timelines of this world of Undertale. Like... Oh, this game fucks with the concept of gaming in so many different ways that it just it hurts your head. And he knows that you're different because you can also save and reset the game because the world. It's seen you like die and have to go back and restart. It's seen you do all this shit. It knows your save files like it's fucking with you. Flowey is happy to be with you because he can't predict you. So it's fun to play with you. Mm hmm. As you get closer to the king, Flowey gets scared and he's like, hey, well, why don't you just go back? Ah, we're having so much fun. Just go back. Just go back. So before you get all the way up to Asgore, this is where you run into Sans. Right. Sans is like, you're the fucking worst and (laughs) you should burn in hell. Yeah, Sans hates you. And he's like, if you take one more step, I'm going to have to kill you. I've lost my fucking mind. So you take your step. You fight Sans. And you reunite him with his brother. Oh, I know. Oh, he but gets, he's such a fun, goofy, fun character. He's a sweet baby angel. Yeah. But this is a genocide run. Yep. You get to Asgore, who's just a sad man surrounded by yellow flowers mm-hmm. and says, we don't have to fight. Let's settle this over some tea. 
but you're on a genocide run. You kill him, and Flowey comes and says, Hey, I'm useful. I can help you. Don't kill me. Flowey begs for his life. It's a flower. You kill Flowey. Yeah. Frisk then turns to the camera and says, We, looking at you. We eradicated the enemy with our bloodlust. That now we have reached the absolute. Let's erase this pointless world. And you destroy the underworld. And everyone is dead and gone. That's the genocide. Oh my god, it's so fucked up. So <laughs> literally, you go through and it's like, erase the game file. Yeah. It doesn't actually erase your game file, but it's implied that you are clearing the game out of the world. It stresses me out so badly. <laughs> All right, so that's the genocide ending. So that you only unlock that if you kill everyone. Yeah. Now, most people play a neutral ending, and then what's said to be the true ending is the pacifist ending where you kill no one. Okay. In the pacifist ending, you spare Sans, obviously. Right. And you get into Asgore's chamber, and it's filled with yellow flowers again. You walk in on him, and he's watering the flowers. Mm -hmm. He turns to see your human, and he's, like, really sad. He says, it's a nice day out, but you know what we gotta do? We gotta fight. Why? And he says, when you're ready, meet me in there. I'm not ready either. He doesn't want to kill you. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to kill. That's clear in every ending, you know? Yeah, except that he needs seven souls. Ugh. So as this fight begins, seven capsules come up, and six of them have different colored hearts in them, oh. with the last clearly being empty for your heart to go in. Right. You don't even see this in the genocide run. You just kind of do a quick slash, and he's dead. It's R a very quick Thing. Oh, really? Yeah, which is crazy because you're so bloodlusty. You're just like, ah, murder. <laughs> In this one, it's like, we'll give you some story. And he goes, well, it was nice to meet you. Goodbye. Wait, does he kill himself? Well, okay, so this battle is an ass kicker. But he... <laughs> okay, so towards the end of the battle, he says he remembers the day his son died. The entire underground was devoid of hope. The future had once again been taken by the humans. In a fit of anger, he declared war. So he started oh. this. That he would destroy any human that came to the underground. He would use their souls to become godlike and free the monsters from the underground and then destroy humanity so monsters could rule the earth. This disgusted his wife. Oh no. So she left him and he never saw Toriel again. Oh shit. So Toriel the whole fucking time was the queen. Oh, shit. And like in the original, like you killed her first. <laughs> oh. oh, that's heartbreaking. He says he actually doesn't even want power. He doesn't want to hurt anymore. He just wants his people to have hope. Mm. But it's been too much. He wants to see his wife. He wants to see his son. The war has gone on long enough. He says you can take his soul and leave. Just take his soul and leave. He says he doesn't even care. He just wants to die. You can kill him or you can spare him. Okay. Either way, he disappears and a heart appears on the screen and then is shot down the middle and is broken. So like a squiggle between the heart. Oh, shit. Flowey appears. Fucking Flowey. He says in this world, it's kill or be killed. There is no try. The screen goes white. The screen goes gray. 
Then the opening sequence telling the story of the monsters and humans starts. Wait, what? But it starts glitching out. A save screen appears under the user Flowey shows up. So like the save screen that you've seen a million times every time you save the game. Correct. The prompts are continue or restart. Flowey has hacked your game. This little fucker. You're alone on a dark screen and you go to a save checkpoint, which have been little stars throughout the game. And it's literally just save here. Right. You hit the save point and there's a crash. Your file has been erased. When this happened to me, I flipped the fuck out. I genuinely thought our PlayStation was broken. Like, I was so goddamn mad. And then scared, right? And scared, because I was like, wait, no, I just put a lot of fucking time into this. Don't you dare, because, like, yeah, it goes in and makes it look like the whole thing is crashing out. It's fucking terrifying in-game. And you don't get this in the genocide run. No, you don't. You get this in pacifist run, where you don't kill anyone, or you get it if you spare some and kill some. That's wild, because this whole next part is, like... What I remember of Undertale. This is what got it game of the year. Yeah. Flowey bursts through the save point page. He says, howdy, it's me, Flowey the Flower. I owe you a thanks for doing a number on that old fool. Without you, I would never have gotten past him. But now with your help, he's dead. And I have the human souls. Flowey now has all six human souls inside of him and just needs yours before he becomes a god and shows monsters and humans the real meaning of this world. Of all the characters to, like, become the big, big bad, the flower from the very beginning... (laughs) The sweet yellow flower who's just kind of a silly fuck. ...is the last thing you expect. Oh, my God. this boss battle... I'm still reeling. It's one of the best boss battles. Let's just get to it. I'm so excited. Yeah. He says not to worry about your save file. It's been erased. But Flowey has a solution. He'll save over your own death so you can watch him tear you to pieces over and over and over. Like GLaDOS had to watch Chell do to her for <laughs> 50,000 years. But now you're the GLaDOS watching yourself die at Flowey's hands over yeah. and over again in this world. He calls you an idiot. And then out emerges what's been titled Photoshop Flowey. Photoshop Flowey. Now, this is like the proof that there is actual good graphics to this game. Oh, my God. This is not MS Paint anymore, honey. No. So overall, the game has been white text on a black screen with color for flourish for like the magma. It's red and shit. But in battle, the screen is black with white. Mm -hmm. This is full color. Full. I will put a picture of this on our Instagram because it does not do it justice for how I'm going to try and describe it, but I will do my damnedest. No, I would say it's like the color levels of like a cup head, like that oh, yeah. bright, that many colors, that much visual. Now, the battle itself is nothing like a cup head except for just mm-hmm. like all the shit flying across the screen. This one's an ass kicker, too. This is a hard fucking battle. This is fucking hard. Okay, so this is where you get your gamer friend to help you. If yeah. you're um, one of the less experienced gamers that I said this would be very easy for, I redact that statement. This is hard. This is, oof. So he's a full screen monster with six eyes. He has vines coming out of him. There are all these tubes and intestines. There's a Venus flytrap arm that comes out. Yeah. All sorts of crazy shit. 
And it's also said that Toby Fox's face is somewhere through this, whether it's kind of cut out and pieced together or like hidden in there. Oh, I believe it. Because there's like eyeballs and stuff that you see. So I'm sure like one of the sets of eyeballs is his or something. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. You know, his little Quentin Tarantino moment in his own creation. (laughs) Through the battle, you can call for help and the souls will actually send you health. Oh, really? Yeah, the souls, the human souls that he has. Okay. So eventually, again, this is a long ass battle. So long. You defeat Photoshop Flowey, who calls you an idiot and restarts your file, only to blast you over and over and over again. Oh, so your file's restored. Yeah. Okay, thank God. Yeah. He tells you to call for help, saying that no one cares. Like, fucking try. No one gives a shit. That scene in Jurassic Park where he says, ah, see, no one cares. (laughs) He laughs that no one came and no one will see you die. Flowey's a dick. But then your health refills and he's confused. I'm confused. You see a load failed warning and he's angry and confused now. His powers are gone. Oh, shit. The souls detach and leave him and he looks like a tie dye kaleidoscope while he screams stop. And then the screen goes white. This game, like, just keeps doing shit to you. This last act, I was on the edge of my seat the entire fucking time. Because no idea what to expect. No, and games don't do this where they change art style. No. For a battle. Like, that's, it's so unprecedented. I can't think of another time it's happened in gaming. And it's, if you go in not knowing this is happening, it is heart stopping. It is fucking amazing. And to change the art style at the 95% completion point. Oh my god, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, there's games like Red Dead 2 where you switch protagonists and there's a different set of playthroughs. And you know, in uh, Last of Us Part 2, Ellie and Abby have very different playthroughs, but it's the same art. Yeah. It's the same world. Entirely. the same world through a kaleidoscope after seeing it through a viewfinder. Yeah. It's fucking insane. So after the screen goes white, we see a wilted flowey. He says killing him is the only way to end this. You can kill him. If you spare him, he just runs away. And you enter the barrier. And the game is over. Mm. Now, if you do a pat, I want to end this on a grand note. Okay, good. Because <laughs> this is real fucking dark. Because Toby Fox wanted you to end on a positive note. Again, the tagline for this was an RPG where no one has to die. No one has to. You bloodlusting morons. <laughs> At the end of the game, it, on a good run, Sans calls. If Toriel's alive, he says the queen is ruling again and treats humans with kindness. Oh. If Papyrus is alive, he's excited to talk to you about the queen. And if Undyne's alive, she's also on the line. She's like, I quit my job and the royal guard disbands. And she's a teacher now. A, a teacher? A gym teacher. <laughs> oh. Now... I want to do a little bit of a dump, too, because there's a version called the True Lab where you can that's not available in all gameplay modes. Okay. but this does give you some lore. So we find out that Flowey was once Asriel, the son of King Asgore and Queen Toriel. That's the son that he referenced. Yes. Okay. So and again, this is tricky. It's hard to find and you cannot get it in all playthroughs. So I didn't want to slot it in prematurely. I want you to really understand how insane Flowey is. Yeah. He became friends with Chara, a human who fell into the underground. Chara came up with the idea to kill herself with some poison flowers to combine her soul with Asriel to break through the barrier so she could get home. Got it. Instead, Asriel became a super being and went to the surface with her body. 
So like, whoopsies. Oh, shit. When the humans saw the monster holding her body, they assumed he killed her and attacked. Mm. He ran home and died over a bunch of golden flowers. And the next day, he woke up as a sentient flower and became flowy. Oh, damn. Yeah. (laughs) That's fucked up. That's fucking crazy, which kind of explains like, after that, Toria was like, fuck all of this. Any human that falls down the ruins, I will take care of. I will not let this shit happen to anyone. Yeah. Asgore is surrounded by golden flowers, like hoping he can reconnect with his son and like waiting to fucking break open the barrier and get revenge on the humans for killing his son. Fucking Flowey's just a maniac. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, even just to have like after him die, his son comes in and just starts wrecking house. Yeah. And. Flowey is this powerful because he does have a human soul embedded with his soul. And like, and then we get the other human souls. He's just a fucking maniac. He's the super boss that was lightly touched on. Like he's fucking crazy. Oh, this game. It's so fucking good. And just the game experience is incredible. If I apologize, if you haven't played it and listened to all of this, because I definitely ruined parts of it, but spoilers, obviously that's the name of our show. This game is so wonderful to experience. Yeah. It, it is, is hard as shit at points, though. I, I won't lie. Like, that Undyne battle is an ass kicker. The Asgore battle goes on for fucking ever. And then the Flowey Photoshop battle is fucking gnarly. Yeah. And I mean, I can only imagine playing in the pacifist run. Like, you still have to do some fighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so your level's not increasing as you go through the game. Yeah. And so you're really just having to, like, work to be a pacifist. Yeah. And it just it also really adjusts of like level is your level of violence. XP is execution points like, oh, my God, I should go to therapy. Yeah. Just taking all these concepts that we've come to expect and turning them on your head. Yeah. And then this music was brought to the Pope. And, <laughs> you know, it's turned into a whole thing. So Deltarune is a sister sequel. I don't believe you play as Frisk. I haven't played this, but... A lot of people have. It doesn't have the same hype and lore and cult following as Undertale, but it's another Toby Fox joint. So similar world. I mean, it's so hard to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Absolutely. And this is some serious fucking lightning. It's beautiful. And it's also why, like, you see, like, again, like a Bioshock couldn't pull off a second Would You Kindly. Oh, absolutely. They didn't even try. <laughs> no, you have to do something else entirely. Yeah. You're just like, I'm a big daddy now. Yeah. Look at me go. <laughs> and they went, that's close enough. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> All right, my friends. We are coming very close to our season finale, which we is next are. week. Yep. Next week, we will be closing out this season with Disco Elysium. I promised that at the very beginning of the season, and Ugh. we will absolutely close out with it. You gotta pay up. I'm excited for that one. Oh, that's a wild fucking ride. Another game with incredible music. Yeah, and also, like, up for game of the decade, for sure. These games are so wonderful, and if you are curious, we do about 10 episode seasons, so this is episode 9, We've got one more coming up and then we will be taking a short break. We are a little exhausted yeah. and we do have to play some games. I um, <laughs> I started my first run through of Grand Theft Auto 5. I'm only like nine years late to the party. It's fine. Right. But I'm having way too much fun and I don't think that's a game I can cover on the show. So No, open world games are hard. No, so I'm going to run through that and then I'll finish and do some games for the show. But if you do have any suggestions, our email is in the show notes. And we are also on social. We are on 
Facebook and Instagram at the other castle. Yep. Please like us, subscribe to us, tell your friends, tell everybody you know. And if you had a good time, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating just so we know if we're doing all right. Give you know? Good old thumbs up. Yeah. Five stars. Give us your pacifist run energy. Give us some love. <laughs> <laughs> no levels of violence here. Until next time, Goombas. Good luck. Goodbye.